up if you've done something wrong. He only shows up when promotion is in motion. That's the only time he shows up. Because we all do things wrong and we live the wrong. And then all of a sudden all hell breaks loose and we wonder why. Because God is now, because you can be wrong and still worship him. And see, that's the key, is you've got to sow to the Spirit daily. And sowing to the Spirit is worship, reading that Word, meditating on the Word, and giving. Because he says, when you sow to the Spirit, you will reap life and peace. So, so. And it's in that order. So life is attracted to death. What seems to be dead in your life. Not working right. Like on his last breath. So life is attracted to what's dead. Because you sowed time, love, and money with God. Time, love, and money with God. So, and, and then once life comes, hey, how y'all doing? And then once life comes, y'all come on up. Y'all come on up. Y'all come on all up here. Y'all come up here so I can, I can, I can pull off your anointing. It's a joy, it was a joy of the Lord. I don't know what came on me, but jeez. So life has to come before peace. If you have peace and no life, it's demonic. Because Jesus told his disciples, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives to you, do I give to you. So let not your heart be troubled, nor let it be afraid. So there is a false peace. And a false peace doesn't have eternal life on it. So when you sow to the Spirit in prayer and worship and giving and meditating on the Word and all these things, the Bible's clear. You're going to reap life eternal life on something that needs life on it does that make sense all of us got something in our life that needs a resurrection and see that life is eternal life which is which is a resurrection spirit so it's going to resurrect what seems to be dead and you just can't seem to make it whole and then peace comes the reason peace comes is because when peace comes, Jesus is now ruling over your life. So now he's Lord. Remember, he's Savior and Lord. He's still Savior in the church. My Lord Jesus. Uh, 
he's still savior in the church. He's not supposed to be still savior in the church. He's supposed to be savior to the lost. But he's savior to the church. Because the church never made him Lord. Never made him Lord. How do you make him Lord? Well, if you're not in a place where there's revelation, you'll never have an opportunity to make him Lord. Because when revelation comes, he's delivering his Lordship to you. And when you apply it and become it, He's Lord over that area of your life. Jesus will never Lord over the flesh. He'll never Lord over the, over the sinful nature. He only Lords over His Word. And that's not the Logos Word. That's the Rhema Word. Because He can only Lord over what has resurrected what he's taken you out of and put you on top that's what he lords over but i want to teach you a little bit tonight um on um and i taught some i taught this in the pastor's conference it was so powerful uh but every time i teach something twice there's more revelation that comes out of it and y'all had mentioned the, the last day of the barrel is tomorrow. Ah, Lord. And they've been kicking and screaming all week. The devil hates for you to let go of him. He kicks and screams and he absolutely hates for you to let go of him. So when, when, when Jesus said, we have to have his mind. Now you got to think about this. His mind. Well, he said we have his mind. It's already somewhere in us. We just hadn't applied it. Because the mind is a spiritual organ. The soul is a spiritual producer. So keep that in mind. If you can picture this. My soul is wrapped up in my mind. So that it's an organ around my soul. So that's why Paul said be renewed. He didn't tell you, he didn't say be renewed in your soul. He said be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So it's an organ. But then he went over to Philippians and he said, work out your own salvation, not somebody else's. You know, when somebody's trying to work out somebody else's salvation, this is a good sign right here. Because Paul said, work out your own salvation. Then the next verse or the next verse after that, it says, and do all things without complaining. So I always know who's working out somebody else's salvation because they're complaining. They're not complaining about themselves. They're complaining about something, somebody else, right? So they're not working out their own <laughs> salvation. 
They're trying to work out somebody else's salvation to fit their mold, to fit what they have conformed to. When Paul said, don't conform to nothing of this world, you can, you can be conformed to worship and be out of line with God. You can be conformed to prayer. You can be conformed to reading the word every day. He said, never be, to be conformed because <clears throat> conformity invites death. See what I'm saying? Without revelation, it's conformity. So every time you go into worship, you should be getting something fresh. That keeps you from conforming to worship and prayer and these things it keeps you from conforming and then it becomes religious because it has no power on it it has no power against the flesh the indulgence of the flesh so you have a mind you have a soul and you have a spirit and you got to keep them separate so if you see your spirit here has got three functions your soul has four, but wrapped around this is the organ of the mind. All right. So Paul said in, in uh, Romans uh, 12, 2, he said, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So there's no transformation until there's a renewing. And we got to keep in mind the soul is the producer of kingdoms. You're either going to produce the devil's kingdom or you're going to produce God's kingdom. The kingdom of God is within us. It's in your spirit. But it's not established yet. We got conveyed and dropped in it and got born again. And I'm going to be teaching on that Saturday night about getting established in the kingdom for getting ready for his return. But the renewing of the mind comes by way of revelation. The revelation, revelation is this, is nothing more than the mind of Christ being revealed to you. So when you seek the kingdom, it says seek first the kingdom. And, so there's two things you got to do, his righteousness. So people say, well, how do you seek the kingdom? You go, you worship, you, you go to church. Uh, is that seeking the kingdom? No, that's not seeking the kingdom. That's fellowshipping with the saints. Seeking the kingdom is when you open up the book every day and you begin to read it until the king reveals himself. Does that make sense? So when he reveals himself, it's by illumination. That means that scripture is jumping off the page. Or something's really got you zeroed in on something in that word. That's the king of the kingdom revealing himself to you. And the reason he's revealing himself to you is to be transformed by the renewing of the mind 
so he can add everything to you. See, the church as a whole keeps seeking things when things are ad added to them. He said, my yoke is easy and my burden's light. So if we're seekers, then we'll be in a seeker-friendly church. But if he said, if you seek my kingdom and my rule, I would add everything to you. What a life. What a life. So when you meditate on what he revealed to you, and see, uh, a lot of people don't know how to meditate. There, there's a dynamic to it. There's a, there's a way to do it that gets success. And we have a CD on that. So when you meditate on it, you get transformed from the inside out. That's how it works. So, so you, can, you can, I always tell people, you can go through change without pain. The reason we go through change with pain is because we didn't apply the revelation before the trial. So now I've got to go through it the hard way. You can really go through a trial without knowing you're, you're in it. Because the revelation thrusts you into a hiding place with God. And the devil can't find you. He finds you. You know how a fisherman throws bait in the water? He don't know where that fish is at. He's, no, he's in that water. Well, the devil does the same thing when you're in the secret place. He throws out temptation. Where are they? He throws out opposition. Let's see if I can get them to yield. Then I can find out where they are. So what is the result of renewed mind and a transformed soul? Put Romans 12.2 up in the spiritual version. What is the result? Why should I be doing this? Why should I be laboring for this? What is it? What is it? What, what do I get out of this? What does God want me to have out of this transformation and out of this renewal? Hallelujah, Jesus. And, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So there's the answer. Why does he want my mind transformed? That when you say God said it, I don't care who don't believe you, there's a knowing. There is a knowing. And, and see, the transformation and the renewal of the mind brings you into sonship with God. Instead of being a child. Because we're birthed as children into the kingdom. But the transferring, transformation in the renewing of the mind actually is bringing me into sonship. So I can discern his voice. And it's only in the obedience to his voice 
that he leads me to embrace what's in my heart. It's not the obedience to his word. It's the obedience to his voice. Because the devil can tell you his word. He, he spoke the word to Jesus. He was speaking the word to the word. He sure was. And, and see, if we yield to every word, Scripture, without knowing the voice behind it, and see what renewal and transformation does, it begins to form you into hearing his voice why does God wait till you are transformed and renewed this is why because he can trust you now I had a teaching on and it was called um, uh, can I trust you so God has to trust me in my trial not to choose the devil, but to choose him. Choose that, that, that revelation that I got before I entered the trial. So knowing his voice. So this is the key. When he says the mind of Christ, and this is a revelation to me, because I just said the mind of Christ. We got the mind of Christ. Not knowing, well, really knowing, but not knowing that there's seven layers on every word of God. That's why you can read the Bible all your life and get something different out of the same scripture. And keep this in mind. Each layer that he unveils off the same word that he did five years ago is connecting you and transforming you and renewing you to that level of glory because there's seven levels of glory so you need the revelation that's connected to the level of glory and each level of glory has a fruit so that you know what level you're at you start bearing the fruit that's in that level of the glory so in this third dimension that whole third dimension is made up of seven levels. That's why Jesus said that your, uh, your blessings are in the heavenlies. He didn't say heaven. He said heavenlies. Plural. But the Lord said, my mind is made up of five mindsets. Remember that? I'm going to move ahead a little bit because this, this is, a, I'm, I'm really surprised I got this message out during pastor's conference. There's five mindsets in Christ. So when he says mindset, it means this is what my mind is set on. In other words, this is the way I think. This is the way I'm, what I'm thinking on. Number one, temple mindset. Number two, slave mindset. 
Number three, kingdom mindset. Number four, and see, this is, this is how you know the Lord is pleased with us in a kingdom life because he's given us more revelation. He'll never give you more revelation if you hadn't done something with the last one. If you hadn't done, if you hadn't become it, he won't give you any more until you become it. But this revelation that he's given us can take us, can take us right to where Jesus comes back. We could teach on this till Jesus comes back. So the fourth one is a bridal mindset. And that's not a mindset that the women think they're going to get married to the man of their life. That's not a bridal mindset. It's a glory. So the glory mindset. So I want to break these down. The temple mindset is in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20 in the Amplified Version. Do you not know that your body is the temple the very sanctuary of the Holy Spirit who lives within you, whom you have received as a gift from God, you are not your own. You were bought with a price, purchased, purchased with a preciousness, and paid for, made his own. So then honor God and bring glory to him in your body. Let's go to John 1-2 in a spirit-filled version. You are the temple of God. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The temple of the Holy Spirit. Did y'all find that thing back there, Carl? Did you get the thing? Did you get you got this, right? You got it? Okay. John 1-2. He was in the beginning. In the beginning. That's not it. It's John 1-12. I'm sorry. Good thing I know the message. John 1.12. But as many as received him, to them gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name. So, so what's a temple mindset? This is a temple mindset. This is what a church mindset is. I'm saved. That's all they know. Is I'm saved. That's all they preach is get saved. So that's a temple mindset, which is a good mind. All these are good mindsets because they're in Christ's mind. But we're supposed to progress from those. Just like he said in Hebrews 6.1, leave the elementary things of Christ and move on to perfection. So a saved mindset is a mindset that I'm going through hell here, but I'm going to heaven. I can't wait to go to heaven. That's what they say, I, I, I'm just passing through. That's not what we're supposed to be saying. If we stay in this mindset, there is a danger. And the danger is we become an aged church. That means you're a gray hair, you got gray hair now. You've been in the church for 20 and 30 years. And you're still thinking I'm saved and going to heaven. Nothing else. Gray-haired babes and diapers. Preachers and diapers. 
Because if the church is in diapers, the preacher's in the diapers. Isn't that right? You'll never go past him. If you're sitting under him, you'll never go past him. But in the pastor's conference, the first time I heard it, I'm thinking about what's in these diapers. Is it full of demons? Because they smell, you know. And he said, the diapers are full of emotions. So we have an emotional church ruled by emotions, ruled by entertainment. That's what we have now. So let's look at the slave mindset. In 1 Corinthians 7.22 and Romans 6.18. 1 Corinthians 7.22 and Romans 6.18. For he was called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freed man. Likewise, he who is called while free is Christ's slave. And you think you're not supposed to be a slave to anything. So what is a slave mindset? It's a minister mindset. That means ministry is on my mind all the time. Ministry is not supposed to be on your mind all the time. I'm saved and going to heaven is not supposed to be on your mind all the time. It's just an occasional thing that you can still use, but it shouldn't be controlling your life. It shouldn't control your life. So they, most ministers have a mind full of ministry, and they're miserable. That's why... The statistics show that there's more pastors committing suicide than lost people. More divorces with pastors than there are lost people. So they're a slave to Jesus. But the danger here is, here's the danger of staying in this, this type of mindset, is that you get so focused on your gifting that you, that you are not in relationship with the one who gave it. That's why they're miserable. Because there's a lot of power out there. There's a lot of giftings out there. But Jesus is not even in it. He's only in. What you're in relationship with him. In. Then he releases you in it. You don't release yourself. He has to do it. So the AIDS church. Ushers in. The gifts with no presence. So the gifts have power, but the presence of God is not manifested. That's why you can't wait to get out the door. After 30 minutes or 45 minutes, you're thinking about food or something. You know what I mean? But you can come in here, we can teach for four hours, and you still, still don't want to leave. The reason is, is because there's power and there's presence. The presence is there because of the transformation. These ministers have a transformed mind and renewed mind. That's how they release the presence of God with the power of God that's on the gift. So the apostolic church ushers in the power and the presence through the gift. All right, so the hardest mindset to change is coming from an aged church. That is the hardest mindset to change. 
because they have to unlearn everything they learned. And, you know, on some level, we always put a little bit of pride on what we've learned, don't we? And just to think that I got to unlearn 10 years when I should have when I should have moved on to something instead of staying in the same church, listen to the same sermon, listen to this. I mean, it just, it just, that's what's out there. So, um, and it's the hard, and when you start teaching on the kingdom, the kingdom mindset, which is next, when you start teaching to that group of people, they get confused. They get irritable. And they don't know what's happening to them. So most of them leave. Because they don't want to lose what they've learned for 10 years or 15 years. Jesus spoke about the church one time. He never stopped talking about the kingdom. Right? He was more focused on the kingdom than the church. He spoke about the church once. But he always talked about the kingdom. And when you start talking about the kingdom, Satan himself is going to show up. He's not going to send no demon around. And the only way that you can, you can withstand him is through a transformed, renewed mind. So a kingdom mindset comes after a slave mindset. Let's look at Galatians 4, 7. <clears throat> Therefore, you are no longer a slave a bondservant, but a son. So you're moving from a slave to a son and daughter of God. And if a son, then it follows that you are an heir by the aid of God through Jesus Christ. So sons are in position to receive inheritance. And I've said this all the time. Your harvest is not your inheritance. Because you have to sow for a harvest. You have to grow for an inheritance. That's what that little man chart there is for. Um, so Ro Romans 8.14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. So here again. We keep wanting God to talk to us when he's leading us every day. Once, it, once, once you got a hold of one revelation and you applied it yourself and you transformed that mind and you renewed that mind, God has, you just invited him to begin to lead you and not talk to you all the time. Because usually when he's talking to us, He's trying to correct us. So I would rather have him lead me than talking to me all the time. Wouldn't you? Yes. To know, hey, I applied this revelation. And when you get out of my, your bed, the, to know that you're being led throughout the day. This is a mindset. And he might lead you to someone that's a gate to hell. And you would think, oh, God didn't lead me this way. Remember, heaven has windows and doors. Hell has gates. So what's the gate? People. 
So coming into sonship, you come into discernment. And you know who is sent by the devil and who is sent by God. And this is how you know. This is how I know. And it's not going to change for anybody else because this is what the word says. To discern a spirit, all you have to do is look into their eyes. Because the eyes are their window to the house. So if somebody's looking out of these eyes, it's either Jesus or the devil. That's how I know. And then another way I know is what's in their eyes is not lining up with what they're saying. That's how you know you just met a gate to hell. And the only thing you're supposed to do is recognize it. Don't engage in it. Because once you engage in it, the gates open. And every gate to hell is destruction. Now you got trouble in your life. So when the devil comes through people with temptation, their smile might be sweet, but you better look at their eyes. Because they ain't lining up. It's not lining up. So Romans 8.14, okay, you got that. So, so, so the kingdom mindset is a mindset of a reflection of a son. So the devil, when he comes, should see the son. You as a son when he comes. And if he sees you as a son, he ain't going to mess with you. Because he knows once you become a son, he can't do anything with you. It's only when you're a child. Because children are easily deceived. Sons are led by God. So let's look at um, Philippians 2, 14 and 15. Do everything readily and cheerfully. No bickering. No second guessing allowed. This is the quality of a son. Do everything readily and cheerfully. No bickering. No second guessing allowed. Go out into the world uncorrupted. A breath of fresh air. You know why? Because you're breathing the Father. He is a fresh air. He's a breath of fresh air. In this squalid and polluted society, provide people with a glimpse of good living and of the living God. So I'm a testimony, and you've got to be a testimony of what God has added to you, right? Because if you're a son, you got the goods. Carry the light-giving message into the night so all so I'll have good cause to be proud of you on the day that Christ returns. You'll be living proof that I didn't go to all this work for nothing. The only reason God has, has unveiled these mindsets because some of us are ready to move on from a kingdom mindset. So we have to judge where we are. This is how we judge where we are. So a son is quick to obey the father's voice with no bickering 
no guessing or no reasoning. They receive discipline joyfully. A son is a breath of fresh air. You just want, like my team over here. They provide a glimpse of good living. They carry the light in the darkness. And all that equals dominion. Dominion. So a son has dominion. That means everything. What does that mean? What? What? There it is. So we have some, some students in this place. Everything. <laughs> That's because she's up here with me worshiping. <laughs> she's on the front line, buddy. You better get up here. <laughs> so dominion means. And see, a son has his inheritance. So your inheritance is this. It's not what you sowed for. It's what you grew for. So every time I grow, everything that he blessed me with through sowing and reaping is now under my feet. You know, we always say, oh, the devil's under my feet. Well, it looks like he's on your head to me. He's sitting on your shoulder. But he said, everything that has a name is under my feet. So every blessing that he has blessed me with and blessed you with, when you come into inheritance, it's under your feet. So what does that mean? That blessing is not ruling me. I'm ruling it. That was a revelation to me because I always thought, you know, the devil, he's the name. He's talking about the devil. He said, no, everything that has a name is under your feet. That means it's not ruling your life. You are ruling it. You're telling it what to do. Wealth has a name. And God can't trust the church with wealth because it, they don't have dominion yet. That wealth would, would control them and completely get their eyes off of Jesus. That's what would happen. You can have riches and not be wealthy. You can be wealthy and not have riches. So everything that has a name is under my feet. So that means it's directed by me. God has trusted us at this point as a son to use it for his glory and the advancement of his kingdom. Hebrews, or you did that one, okay. A kingdom mindset is a mindset that says, I'm abundantly blessed. He didn't give me just eternal life. 
Now he's given me abundant life. And the abundant life is you, there's no debt. But you have everything you need and excess to do something good for someone else. When you do something good for someone else, that is the greatest high you'll ever be on. You can feel the high coming in you. So leaving everything you know to pursue everything you don't know. That's a kingdom mindset. Most ministers teach about what Jesus taught about, but never taught on what he preached. They don't, teach, they don't preach on the kingdom because they don't have a clue. They haven't transitioned from a minister's mindset to a kingdom mindset. All right, so that's the kingdom mindset. Now let's look at the uh, bridal mindset. Now, this, you guys really need to just study these scriptures and meditate on them. And the more you meditate on them, they're going to they're gonna form a mindset for you. So John, 1 John 3, 2. Beloved, now we are children of God and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. Now let's stop right there. Because when we're children in Christ, it has not yet re been revealed what I'm going to be in Christ. So, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Wouldn't it be awesome to see Jesus standing right here? If he says I'm in your midst already just because two of y'all showed up. That's right. That's right. But see, the problem is he's in our midst, but we don't know how to manifest him. So a bridal mindset <clears throat> reflects the Lord. So you moved from a sun reflection to a the Lord reflecting from you. So in other words, when he sees you, now he sees himself. We're supposed to look like him. And see, when you, when you, when you look like him, that's when you'll see him all the time. A bridal mindset is a mindset that has moved you from being an emotional bride to a worshiping bride. Matthew 5, 25, 1. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. And we all know this story. Not everybody had enough oil to meet the bridegroom. See, a son is full of oil. A son is full of the spirit, which means... I'm full of revelation. That's my oil. Is the revelation. Because it reflects him. So he's ready to meet the bridegroom. Let's look at John 3.29 and spirit build. John 3.29. He who has the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly. Because of the bridegroom's voice. 
Therefore, there's joy of mine. This joy of mine is being fulfilled. So what do you think he's saying here? Look at this verse. He who has the bride is the bridegroom. Now he has me, but a friend of the bridegroom. Let me tell you, when he appears, you do, when he appears, when he comes, you just don't want to be a guest of honor. You want to be his bride because the guest of honor, the one who stands and hears him, is the one that's in the kingdom mindset and never transitions. I'm trying to do this slow so you'll get it. Never transition into a bridal mindset. He's not coming back for a son. He's coming back for a bride. Keep that in mind. Just because I've become a son doesn't mean he's coming back for me. He's coming back for a bride. And not everybody's going to see him. Only those who are watching. Because once you have a bridal mindset, that's on your mind constantly. You're constantly looking. When I'm driving, I'm constantly looking at those clouds. And, and you know, he says he's coming on the clouds, plural. He's not coming on those clouds. What forms a cloud? Worship. He's coming on your worship. The cloud that you have formed, the one that you have formed, and they all came collectively together, and he steps out on that worship. I feel you, Lord. That's how close he is to stepping out. I just felt that. This is what I'm teaching on Saturday night, so tell everybody to get in this house Saturday night. Did you feel that? Oh, I felt it. He's on the edge of the seat of his throne. He's looking down on us and seeing the worship. But the father only knows how many clouds it's going to take for him to step out. He won't even tell the son. He said, oh, there. That's why it's important to worship. You're forming a cloud every time you worship. My Jesus. John 3.29, I got that one, right? Okay, so, so the bridegroom has a bride. See, we should really want to be a best man because a man and woman is the same in the spirit. A slave, a kingdom mindset should want to be the best man because he's next in line. He's next in line. So when you become... When you have a kingdom mindset and you can recognize the fruit of a son, you're next in line. And, and what, what, the, what, what the time span is between being a son and bringing a bride is your faithfulness to being a son. Because you'll never know when he's going to step in and thrust you into a bridal mindset. That's one thing that's so beautiful about being faithful. Because you never know when he's going to step in and bless you. 
I told him I'd be so faithful to him. I said, if one person showed up in here, I'd be faithful just to talk to this one person right here. That's it. That's how he tests faithfulness. Let's look at Song of Solomon 5.1. I have come to my garden, my sister, my spouse. I have gathered my mirth with my spice. I have eaten my honeycomb with my honey, and I have drunk my wine with my milk. So this is a bridal mindset. What does this verse tell you? What do you get out of that verse? Well, they're all so close. <laughs> this is what it is. When you come into a bridal mindset, you are intoxicated with love. So, so this is one area the church doesn't teach on because they don't have a revelation of it. That there's more than just three baptisms. There's the baptism in the Christ, you get born again. There's the water baptism as a testament that, hey, I'm living a different life now. There's a third baptism, which is the fullness of the Spirit. And there's a fourth baptism, which is what? Huh? The bat, what? What? Baptism of fire, right. It's the baptism of fire because he said, I'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So when you feel fire on my hands, you know that I've, I'm in that baptism. And that fire is to burn up everything that's not like God. So you can feel the fire come on you. It's burning up everything that's not like God. Everything that's in the way of the next baptism. So the next baptism is the baptism of love where you're intoxicated with his love. Come to my garden, my sister, my spouse. He's calling her a sister and a spouse. So what he's saying is, you're everything to me. I've gathered my mirth, my spice. I have eaten my honey home with honeycomb with my honey. You see the communion of love in this verse. So a bridal mindset is intoxicated with love. Now, when you have this mindset, when you have this mindset, you are not, no longer seeing with your senses. You are seeing out of his mind. It's a totally different realm. Are y'all getting this? So now let's go to the glory mindset. And, as, and I love the order he's given here because you can't possibly bring the glory of God without being married to the Son. Amen. God will never bring his glory till he sees the, the bride coming out of his chambers. And the bride, the bridegroom coming out of his chambers. And the bride coming out of her dressing room. This is a dressing room. So if you came through that door, he's preparing you to be his bride. So let's look at the glory mindset. Isaiah 28.5. 
But in the future messianic day, the Lord of hosts shall become a crown of glory and a diadem of beauty to the converted remnant. He didn't say to the converted lost man. So you being been converted, follow me, you've been converted from a slave mindset to a son mindset, to a bridal mindset, and now you're in the glory mindset. Y'all see what your worship does for me? But in the future messianic day, the Lord of hosts shall become a crown of glory and a diadem of beauty to this remnant. So you have the crown of glory. Isaiah 43 through 5. A voice of one who cries, prepare in the wilderness the way of the Lord, clear away the obstacles, make straight and smooth in the desert a highway for our God. So every valley shall be lifted and filled up, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and crooked places, crooked and uneven, shall be made straight and level, and the rough places made plain, and the glory, the majesty of the splendor of the Lord, of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. This is how you know you are living a glory life, that you have a mindset of the glory, a mindset of the glory of God to all flesh. Because listen, when, when, if you've got a glory mindset, that means you're carrying the glory. And the glory is what? Huh? What is the glory? It's Papa. Daddy. Father God. Now he's, he's living in you. And that's why he's constantly on your mind. So you don't enter these mindsets fully matured. You become a baby all over again. Every time you go from each mindset, you become a child all over again. That's the only way you can receive. So this is so powerful because Isaiah 40 through 5 that we just saw is a, is a glory mindset. So a glory mindset is also this, that the four rivers are flowing through you and also departing into seven streams. The four rivers is Jesus. Because he said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of li living water. He's the living water. He's the living water. So out of my belly shall flow him. So what's the streams? There's seven streams. The streams are the Father. It's in Romans. There's seven streams, and it's listed in there. So Jesus is flowing out of us 
through four rivers. That's because he's, listen, because he's the anointed one. So he's flowing. These are four anointings. So he's flowing with prosperity because if you're not anointed, you'll never be prosperous. It's his anointing that makes you prosperous. And there's anointing that every one of your needs are met. And then there's another anointing that, that brings you into divine communication with God. And then there's another anointing that brings you into divine protection. Well, the devil can't destroy this garden. Then once these rivers are flowing past the halfway mark, there's always a halfway mark, then these four rivers actually depart into seven streams. And now the Father is revealed to the people. And every mountain shall be exalted, every crooked place made straight, every rough place made smooth. This is the work of Daddy and the Son working together. And see, the sad thing is, the church just has the Holy Spirit ready to go to heaven. When Jesus said, my father and I want to come make a what? Home in you. And right after he said that, two verses later, he said, but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit first because you need some renovation. So the Holy Spirit is our helper to renovate the house. So the Holy Spirit, the only thing the Holy Spirit can work with is revelation. It's a tool. So the tools of an apostolic ministry is the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Those are the two tools that the Holy Spirit uses to transform us, to renew us back to God. Isaiah 60, 1 through 5. I'm still on a glory mindset. Arise from the depression and the prostration in which circumstances have kept you. Rise to a new life. Shine and be radiant with glory of the Lord. For the Lord has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. So now you're past the halfway mark. This is a glory mindset. So if your mind is on it, that means you're walking in it. There's a difference between thinking on something and having a mindset on something. When you think on something, you become the mindset. So your mind is now set on something and it can't be moved. So in between, in between what you're thinking on and what the mindset is, in between what you're thinking on and what the mindset is, is your experience. Your experience is not obtained through experience. Your experience is obtained through revelation and unveiling of Jesus in you, in you. So a glory mindset 
is a remnant that has survived judgment. Because judgment's going to happen between, between a temple mindset and a slave mindset. Because that's the church. That's an aged church. That's your, that's your pastor and the ministers and the church. But between that and being a son, there's an unveiling. And that's when all hell seems to break loose. But I want you to take on this mindset. People say, oh, hell is breaking loose. Yeah, it's breaking loose off of me. The thing that had me for so long is now breaking off of me. And the only thing that can break it off is revelation. You can pray it off and it comes right back. <laughs> don't it come back? It comes right back. You can rebuke it off and it's just laughing at you because you don't have no dominion yet. That devil's name is not under your feet yet. So you rebuke him. He still is right over here. Ah, ha, 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 ha. Jesus. Ah, like these, like my, 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 I got, I got to get a name for these. The golden girls. Glory, I call them the glory girls. But, you know, that's how the devil's laughing. So he stands back right when you think you're operating in freedom. I'm going to show him. He comes right back. Why? Because his name is not under my feet yet. I can rebuke him, but I can also tell him not to come back. That's sonship. So a remnant that has survived judgment is a remnant that realized that from the age church to the kingdom, I survived. I survived. I survived my affliction. I survived the fear. I survived the anger. I survived the perversion. I survived the poverty. I survived this because the reason I survived it is because it's not me. When God brings judgment on his church, he said the church will be judged before he judges the world. And he's been judging the church for now 10 or 15 years now since the apostles are on the scene because he couldn't do it without the apostles. But when the judgment comes, you're not being judged. The trespasser that has trespassed into the temple is being judged. And how you know he's being judged? Because you feel something that you didn't feel last week. Now I'm all anxious and worried. And, and this is promotion in motion. If you don't think on that. Because you're only feeling what the devil's feeling when the light comes. Because Ephesians says... It's the light that exposes everything. And what makes manifest is the light. 
So when Jesus is saying, hey, I'm so proud of them, Dad. He's talking to his father. I'm so proud of them. They're ready for promotion. And then next week, I'm acting like I'm not even saved. <laughs> but he, I'm ready for promotion. <laughs> this is the way they think. They don't think like we do. They see something we don't see. You've been worshiping. You've been reading your word. You've been helping people. You've been loving people. And he says, I'm ready to shine the light on that one. Then something in me that was hidden comes to light. I said, oh, my God, I ain't ready for no promotion. I am a mess. But you are being promoted Right then, if you'll keep your eyes on him, he will keep you in perfect peace and he'll purge that thing out of you. That's how it works. Judgment is nothing more than God telling Jesus to purge the temple. There's trespassers in there. The spirit of fear is in there, hiding in the crevices, waiting for their ruler to bring a circumstance that will cause him to fear. Promotion in motion. Promotion and in motion. And listen, God before he promotes you he already said something he'll never promote you unless he's given you something to work with when you go to college you don't get you don't graduate unless you got something to work with it was different for me they just had mercy on me uh, Jesus uh, get rid of this guy he's a troublemaker a remnant who has survived judgment called to a people who doubt God who doubt that he's really alive who doubt that he even cares that's what a glory mindset is you are called to those type of people and God is setting the stage out there right now for you to appear on in their depression because there'll be a time when you just show up and everything leaves that temple I asked the Lord I said when will you ever come back because because there's more babies being burnt birthed than there are say souls being saved he said my remnant will be a minority with a majority of power and just by them showing up changes the atmosphere. And when they open up their mouth, the government of God is being released. The four rivers and the seven streams, the government of God is being released. So when you open up your mouth, these anointings are coming out and you hadn't even touched the people.
That's called dominion. When you can speak a thing and it change. The whole world is about to be caught up in a brand new thing that God is doing. Because his remnants have not been exposed to the world yet. Have not been, uh, what do you call, what do you want to call it, Lord? And my remnant has not been displayed to the world yet. Because they're in pockets like this. In a secret place. There's more going, in, going on in this place right now than all the churches collectively in Savannah. Because they're in works. Wearing out the bride. Works will keep you from changed mindsets. The Lord said, Gene, this is a small place, but if you just looked in the spirit realm, it's huge that you have not stepped into yet with this remnant. He said, when I send you out as a team, you step into it. And you'll see a demonstration and a manifestation that you've never experienced right here in this place. Because I'm stepping out on my relationship with him. I am not stepping out on my prayer time with him. I am not stepping out on my worship time with him. I'm not stepping out on my Bible reading time with him. I'm stepping out on a relationship of love possessed by love and when you're possessed by love you'll have so much love for one another that what the world will even say this is the true church every year there's a purging in this ministry God gives people wind of grace to repent, to die, to bury that old thing, that old nasty character of Satan. But some of us wait right to the last doggone day. And they go through hell up into that day. My Lord. And it doesn't have to be that way. It's usually the ones that's not in the word that don't make it. You ain't going to make it without no word. You ain't going to make it, make it without no revelation. So here's the definition of glory. And then I'm done, I think. Yeah. This is a definition of glory. Weightiness. And weightiness means this. You know how you feel the weight of his presence in this place? You just feel it sometimes when you're worshiping, it comes down. What that is, it's the weight of authority. That's what that is. So, when you begin to carry his glory, you're carrying the weight of authority. But see, we ain't there yet because 
if we were there, when we go out the door, we'd still have it. We'd feel that waiting, weighty, weighty presence. He'll never place his glory. Listen, he'll never place his glory on yours. That's why we can't carry his glory. Because he'll never give it to us. On what I did. Honor. Splendor. Power. This is the... This is the definition of glory. This is what the Father represents. So when the glory comes in this atmosphere, this is everything that's in the atmosphere. Power, wealth, authority, magnificence, fame, dignity, riches, and excellence. This is the biblical definition of glory. So when he's, his presence comes in here, his glory has come in here. But you, you have to know how to extract it out of the atmosphere. And this is how you extract it out of the atmosphere. Say what you're hearing. When that heavy presence comes on, you see how we get Brenda and Zinni up here? They're hearing what's in the atmosphere. So when they speak it, they're extracting it, pulling it down, and getting it to you. And all you have to do is, I receive. Faith is not in operation in the glory realm. Faith is not in operation in the glory realm. Receiving is in operation of the glory realm. Because until the church understands how to, how to transition from faith to the anointing to the glory, you'll never, ever carry it. We still have churches that are in the faith dimension. That's your religious church. We have churches that are in the anointing dimension. That's your Pentecostal church. Now we have churches that are in the glory dimension. That's your kingdom church. Where an apostle is leading it. But all this is in the atmosphere. And you don't have to wait till God uses them. What he's doing, he's just showing me what he can do with you. By getting them, those two up here and doing what they do, he's showing you that this is available to you. All you got to do is listen. And once you listen, what extracts it out of the atmosphere is your voice. He doesn't need your anointing. He doesn't need your faith. He needs your mouth. That's how you operate in the glory. He doesn't need my faith. He doesn't need my anointing. He needs my mouth. Because in the, in the anointing dimension, Jesus is healer. But in the glory dimension, he's creator. But you're his mouth. So when you hear something in the glory dimension and you speak it, you can whisper it, you can just get it out. What you're speaking is now 
creative. It's creating what's in the glory. Is this too heavy for you? Y'all getting it? The mindsets. Y'all get these mindsets? Doesn't that give you hope to grow? Doesn't that give you something to look forward to? I said, you know, I'm the type of person, I can't stay in one place too long. I said, Lord, because apostles are called to change. And if they're not changing, they're not going to be able to change people. I said, Lord, 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 I get to have something new. I get to have something fresh. Come on. Are you sure you want it? When he asked me that, I always said, I, I don't know. What's, what's, what's behind this? Because you know what's behind the revelation. The devil comes every time. But if you can get to the point where you just recognize him, say thank you. You just let me know that I'm on track. When you hate take on that kind of mindset, he can't get in you. That's what he's trying to do is get in you. If he can get in your mind, he can stop the revelation from forming you. But as soon as you get that revelation, man, you go home, open that book, and meditate on it. All right, who knows how to meditate? Three times slowly. So what does the first time do? God doesn't tell you to do something unless he's doing something out of what you're doing. So when you meditate on, the, on that word, real slow, what's it doing? Huh? No, come on. Where's my people? You should know this. Kendrick, what is it, huh? What? And what's it doing? It's feeding it. So when you meditate on the word of God, real slow, and you're murmuring it, you're actually saying it. Murmuring means slow. And you look at every word in that scripture. You don't read it like a sentence. You read, you look at it, and you, you focus on every word. The whole time you're doing that, it's feeding that man on the inside, that new creation. So now he's being strengthened. So now you go back and do it again. And you do it slower this time. It might take you 15 minutes just to get that one verse out. But when you do it the second time, what's it doing? Huh? What's it doing to the soul? It's coming to agreement. So your, your mind and your soul is coming into agreement with your spirit now, with what's in your spirit. Because if these two aren't in agreement, how in the world can you walk together? I don't know how many people have always quoted that verse when, how can two walk together unless they agree? Well, <laughs> People will never agree, at least in this dimension.
But what God, when God, when God looks at the word, he looks at your spirit, not someone else. So he's saying, how can two walk together if they don't agree? So my mind's walking this way, and my spirit's walking up. It's always like this. So when I meditate on the word a second time, I'm reeling this thing in. This mindset, this soul, and it's coming into alignment with my spirit. Now I'm thinking what he's thinking. What that word is saying. That's called transformation. That's called renewing the mind. This is how you do it. And then you've got to do it one more time. Even slower. You ought to time this thing. You ought to just say, all right, it's going to take me uh, 10 minutes to do the first one. It's going to take me 20 minutes to do the second round. And it's going to take me 30 minutes to get this last round down. That I'm going to meditate on this word very slowly. And I'm not talking about getting from the beginning to the end over and over again. I'm talking about starting at the beginning and 30 minutes later you finally got to the end of it. Just that one verse. Just that one verse. Because I tell people all the time, if God gives you a revelation, close the book. Don't even read the rest of the word until you become that one verse. Because all you're doing is delaying the process. You can't eat milk and drink a bottle at the same time. <laughs> I don't, maybe Carrie can. Carrie, you watching? Yeah. So you see what I'm saying? You can't have a piece of meat that he has revealed to you and start eating on it through meditation and then take the bottle and start sucking on it while you're eating meat. Have you ever tried that? I wouldn't. So reading the word is milking you until the meat shows up. Then you close the milk and you meditate on the meat. Am I making it clear? All right. So that's the second. Now what's the third one do? Huh? Senses. So the third one. That's why it's taken so long on the third one. Because your spirit has three functions. Your soul has four. And your senses have five. So it takes a little longer to get to all those so what's it do what's that meditation do Kendrick said senses but what's it doing to the senses hmm what it's doing is it's bringing the senses into submission to the new order so now my senses instead of being up here they're down here my spirit has the lofty position now. My soul is in submission to my spirit. And now my senses is in submission to my spirit and soul. Now I can walk with God. 
You can't walk with God through your senses. It's impossible. You walk with God out of the spirit of your mind. So once the three meditations are done, there's one more thing you do, and then it's done. You can close, the, open up the book and go back to reading it and get your next piece of meat. So after the three meditations, now you are in a vertical order of authority. So now what I'm doing, the very scripture that I've been meditating on all week, I'm declaring it and decreeing it to be law. I feel it. So now, what the prophet Isaiah prophesied was his word would not return void. Without a transformed and renewed mind, when you send the word out, it gets about, about 30 feet out and then it hits reverse. It comes right back to you with the same problem. When it returns, when he says, I sent out my word, it will not return void. It's coming back with the promise. <laughs> yes, Gary <Carrie> is watching. <laughs> <laughs> He is watching. Something told me he is watching. I felt him. <laughs> I, I felt him. This is how you transition from one mindset to the other. This is how you do it. So when you open up your book, you are seeking the kingdom because that Bible is the kingdom. When the king reveals himself out of your reading, now you got a revelation of his rulership. Then you close the book, meditate on that verse until it's ruling you and your flesh is not. You have more success in one verse than reading that whole Bible the whole year. Because reading the Bible does not change you. Because it's logos. It's written. It's supposed to feed you. But I know a bunch of people have been fed and never changed. It's the revelation that changes you the meat of the king. And the reason his word does not return void is because now, since you have sought the kingdom and the king, his righteousness, I'm adding everything to you. Everything that's in your heart, not everything you prayed for. Because there's a lot of things that prayer won't answer that is designed for a key. So when the king manifests himself out of your reading, that's a key.
keys are the only thing that can unlock the desire in your heart and make it manifest. Keys are for you. Prayer is for somebody else. We keep praying, me, me, me. I pray, I'm praying, Lord. Why aren't you? I'm praying, Lord. It's all in vain. Keys are for you. Prayers are for you. Does that make sense? For everyone else. Because if your prayer is not for everyone else, then you're asking amiss. We pray for peace. He never said for, pray, for you to pray for peace. So that's one prayer that would never get answered. I got a friend of mine who's been praying for years for peace. He said, man, why ain't that prayer answered yet? <laughs> you can't pray for peace. You need a key for peace. And the key is, here's the key. If you keep your mind fixed on me, I will keep you in perfect peace. That wasn't a prayer. That's a key. A key is an instruction, not a prayer. A key is an instruction, not a prayer. Praise God. Oh, Lord, it's 8 o'clock. Hallelujah. Any questions? I gave you a bunch tonight. But hopefully you got one morsel of something because all you got to do is get one morsel of something. Because if you get something, you can be assured that the rest of it's in the temple. Because mm -hmm. Revelation, you can't receive but about 7% of it because it bypasses the intellect. Boom, boom, boom. But the other... 90, what, 7% is going in the temple. Only Revelation can do that. <laughs> Logos can't do that. Only Revelation can do that. So, Gene. Yeah. I'll just, <laughs> it was funny. Um, earlier this week, the scripture came to me in Romans about being led by the Spirit of God. The sons are led by the Spirit of God. And the reason that came is because it was, it's funny how God just loves us so much. But for me, he was like, hey, I need you to stop thinking like not to be led by the spirit. Because when I was in church, they would get mad and they would say, you always talking about God is leading you in your spirit. No, you don't be led by your spirit, you know. <laughs> but now it's like a reversal in yeah. the mind. So yeah. when you talked about that tonight, I was like, okay, I'm on track. <laughs> You're on track. Yeah. Because when they say don't be led by your spirit, mm -hmm. it's because they're le being led by their minds. Mm -hmm. And they think they're right. God ain't going to lead, lead you by your head. He'll never do that. He leads you out of your spirit. He'll never talk to your head. He talks to your spirit. And then he reveals to the head. So he won't directly talk to your mind. 
this is his reservoir. This is where he speaks. Is right here. So you always got to be led by what's going on here. That's why you got to get quiet sometimes when you can't make decisions on something. Because mm -hmm. the enemy wants you to make a decision based on emotions and not based on silence. So you got to get quiet. And I challenge all y'all just to sit quiet for 30 minutes and see how long you can take it and how agitated the flesh will be. It's just moving all over the place. I said, yeah, I see you, but I ain't moving. It'll die down. The flesh will die down, and God will speak. Amen. Praise the Lord Jesus. So we're going to have a bride in this church. See, the bride's not in the temple yet. Everybody says, I'm the bride of Christ. Well, you don't look like the bride of Christ. The bride is formed through transformation and renewal. That's the bride. Then you can go into the glory mindset. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for the revelation. Thank you, God, for revelation. Thank you that, that we just can't conjure this up, that we can't even study for it that you reveal it out of worship. And I know that when revelation comes forth, it's going in your temples that were blood-bought by your son. And it's transforming them and renewing them to different mindsets so that they can come into the bride being ready for Christ, looking for him, and then coming into a glory mindset that the whole world is waiting for. So I seal it right now with your presence and with your blood, Jesus, and with this precious Holy Spirit as the guarantee of the success of what they heard today. In Jesus' name, amen. Giving some praise.